welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where sometimes we don't read anything. I'm Kate. And I'm Renata. And this is our 2020 year in review. Um, notice we didn't say bests and worsts because, and I, I will take, I know that overall we decided this much earlier in the year, but um, the number of books that I, Caitlin, have read this year that I have not previously read is in the single digits. I have struggled a lot with reading, um, which I think if you follow me on social media or you're on our Patreon newsletter, would not come as a surprise to you. Um, So we decided fairly early in the pandemic times that instead of trying to force ourselves to read a particular number of books in several different categories, we would do more of a general like, wow, 2020 was bad, huh? These are the things that helped us through it kind of list. Yeah. And I, um, I did read more books because it is still my job. So I'm going to separately, I think, make a list of my favorite books of the year and put it on our blog or something. By the time this episode hits hits your ears, I'm sure I will have figured out what I'm doing with it and probably just go to worstbestsellers.com and probably you'll find it. Um, I also am very hashtag blessed that I was asked by the Boston Globe to help put together their best young books for young readers for 2020. Which, again, presumably by the time this episode comes up, the Globes thing will have come out. So I will link to that or whatever. If you if you want to know what books I liked this year, because I did like some. That was nice. But it felt really awkward to do an episode where I was like, I like this book. And Kate was like, I liked a video game. So <laughs> we're doing all, all video games. No books on this episode. <laughs> And it's not all video games, but it's all non-books, <laughs> which is off-brand for a book podcast. So if you're if you're not into that, I, I was gonna say if you're not into that, turn this off. But actually, wait because we have an announcement, and then you can turn it off. Yes, um, or do so, whatever. We can't stop you. But yeah. uh, so we're gonna be taking a break for the month of January, twenty twenty-one. Uh, Not for any, I know in the past when we've taken breaks, it's been because of grievous injury or illness, um, but we're just tired and we think that we would like to normalize uh, kind of baking a break into our schedule every once in a while. We've been doing this for, I don't know, we came up with the number, it was either five or six. There was a lot of, a lot of discussion around how many years we've been doing this. I think it was six, (laughs) but then the 2020 multiplier really uh, confounds things. We've been doing this since September 2014, and the number of episodes we have missed is very, very few. And the number of times we have not produced any new content at all, even if it wasn't a full episode, is, I think, zilch. So, vacation. Yeah, for us and for our our hardworking editor, Becca, who... Yes. Because sometimes we'll be like, oh, well, we'll take a week off with this bonus episode that we recorded a while ago, and then Becca still actually has to edit that. So it's not a vacation for her. Yeah. Um, I think doing this podcast through the whole pandemic, through the whole, like, Trump presidency, it's been sort of, like, it's fun to do this. It's fun to talk with you, Kate. It's fun to talk with friends. Um, it's been kind of a good, like, feature in my life to have this going. But it is also um, work, and it is tiring, and I think... I think maybe now we can relax for a minute and not have to worry so much about, you know what, let's not get into it. We can just take a break and not worry so much about things, question mark, 
And um, and on that note, uh, we are also pausing our Patreon for the month. So if you are normally one of our Patreon patrons, first of all, thank you again. I know we say it all the time, but it's it's true. I didn't list this as one of my top ten things of the year, but just ongoing forever. The fact that anyone likes us enough to support us in that way is it's really moving to me. I really, I just love it. I love you guys. But, uh, so we're not taking your money for January because we're not doing anything in January. So, it, enjoy that money, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> give it, give it to a soup kitchen or, um, food bank. They're, they're struggling because things are overall still bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I like to say in 20, in the year of the terrible everything 2020, I like to say when we are recording an episode because everything changes so rapidly <laughs> all That's the time. True. Yeah, we're going on the assumption that like things will continue and our president elect will be um, you know, installed by January 2021, but yeah, it is it is currently um November 28th. 2020 when we are recording this Mm -hmm. so who knows if some new terrible thing will happen in the next couple weeks until this comes out or Mm -hmm. if some new amazing thing will happen and we'll sound like debbie downers who knows yeah it's it's a fun mystery living in this time yeah (laughs) um well i guess we could get started and count down our top 10 (laughs) non-book things of 2020 yeah do you want to start or do you want me to start um why don't you start because i also want to talk about your thing okay (laughs) um so of my somewhat arbitrary at the bottom and more pointed towards the top top 10 list of things that got me through this year uh number 10 is gem painting And I know you're probably thinking, if you don't use Instagram a lot, Caitlin, what are you talking about? And if you do use Instagram a lot, you're probably thinking, I've seen ads for that. Um, And essentially, like, some entrepreneur has taken the idea of taking a cross-stitch pattern, putting a level of a layer of, like, sticky glue over it, and then selling you a whole bunch of little plastic diamonds that you can put one at a time in each of the pattern squares until you have a complete canvas covered in plastic gems that creates a picture. Um, Renata got me one of these for my birthday, and at the time I was like, oh, this will be an interesting thing to do, I guess. And it is the perfect for me personally in 2020, when everything feels terrible and I can't leave my house, it was a very good um, craft project because it took not as not too much of my mental energy that I couldn't like listen to a podcast or watch television or do whatever when I was doing it. But it was too intensive to be on my phone or on the internet while I was working on it. And it was just it was a nice like repetitive motion to make like a picture and you know I would just tape the canvas down to actually like my work desk and I kept like the there's a plastic sheet that goes over the top of it that I would keep there and then I just pull it up whenever I was working on it and put it back down when I had to do actual work and it's just good it was good yeah and like I said I wanted to talk about this I didn't put it on my list because I saw that Kate did and I didn't want to be super um 
bore like what's the word i'm sorry i'm okay well here's my thing what yes repetitive thank you i'm very tired because i stayed up too late last night to finish my gem painting because i was so close to being done i was like i just you know i just want to be done with this and then i wasn't as close to being done as i thought and and now i'm sleepy (laughs) for podcast but um yeah i first bought one of these off of a um instagram ad and i to me i didn't really like the adult coloring wave of things because I'm not very good at coloring um and it just you know I understand it's just supposed to be a stress relief but to me to look down at something and be like oh this doesn't actually look good it I don't know I didn't like that feeling but with it was so they were so complicated with so many like little tiny things to color and I didn't like that wave either yeah and so with this I mean it is time consuming and it is complicated I guess in that there's a lot of little colors and you have to like match them but if you can just kind of keep going like there's not really a skill level involved like as long as you stick your diamond in this little designated square it doesn't matter you know you don't have to be like good at coloring you just have to follow instructions and then you get something that looks kind of like cool and shiny and that's satisfying yeah um yeah and as Kate said so the thing is a lot of these companies um I guess I've only ordered from two places, but the shipping time is really long because I think they're coming from uh, somewhere in Asia and they come over really slowly. So I ordered one a long time ago and then I was just hanging on to it specifically because I was like, you know, when the election comes, I'm going to want a thing, another one of these to keep me off my phone. And and that was and it's, so I actually just finished up my election one because uh, it was a bigger one than I expected. But that's nice. If you are if you find coloring too stressful, um, maybe check out gem art. Yes. Oh, also one last thing I want to say about gem art is I found out you can do custom ones and you can upload your own photos and have them turn it into a gem art for you. So I did order a Duarte one on Black Friday. And when that comes, <laughs> ooh, you know I'll be posting about it. All right. Well, I guess unless you have anything else to say about Gemma, I'll move on to mine. Nope. Go for it. My number 10 favorite thing of this year was old Wii fitness games. Um, Like, I I do have the Wii Fit balance board and that, but my real favorites were the ones made by Gold's Gym in, like, 2009. And I got into these when I was in grad school because I was too scared to go to the university gym because it would be full of undergrads. So I I experimented with working out with my Wii at home, and then I moved, and I kept all the games because I didn't really see more to sell them, and I just kept them, but I didn't really use them that much for the last, like, 10 years-ish, because I was just going to a regular gym, but then pandemic, so I wasn't, and I dug these back out, and they're still, like, pretty fun, and it's... You know, I'm not saying it's the best workout, but I'm also not saying I personally do the best workout at the gym. So it's just a nice kind of fun way to to move around a little bit. Um, the the old Just Dance games, too. I know there's new ones for the Switch, but I only have a Switch Lite, so you can't do the movement games with it. Or I guess you could if you bought separate controllers. But why would I do that when I still have an original Nintendo Switch that will do the job just fine? Yeah. I haven't played any of those in a very long time, but I haven't really done anything in the pandemic in a really long time, so kudos. Yeah. Well, you know, they hold up, in my opinion. And that's that's all this podcast is, is opinions. 
Yes. <laughs> Lots of them. <laughs> um, so my number nine thing is a, a hyper local thing. So sorry to everybody who doesn't live in the greater, not even Massachusetts area, but Boston area specifically. Um, hipster donuts became a big thing in Boston. I don't know, maybe like eight or nine years ago. Um, just like suddenly hipster donut places were popping up all over the place and Blackbird Donuts in particular opened up by where my office is slash was because I'm not sure we'll be going back to the office after the pandemic times. Um, and right around the time that the pandemic started, they opened a shop like two miles from where I live, which is not necessarily close to my office. Um, and they started doing delivery during pandemic times. And boy, oh boy, it was nice to have a stranger. And they also, they've got really good coffee, like really good coffee. So it was very nice to have mornings where a stranger would show up at my door with a box of hipster donuts and fresh hot coffee for me and my roommate to consume to help get us through, like the awful world that we live in. Um, They, during the earlier parts of the pandemic up until the fall, um, they would have a weekly rotating um, list of flavors that you could get at each shop. And now that it's a little bit more settled, they're back into what their normal um, kind of menu is, which is they have like the same flavors for an entire month and then they switch and then they have some flavors that stay the same all the time. Um, So it's just been great to, like, taste all of their weird hipster flavors and also their, like, regular donuts that are good. So if you really want donuts and none of the monthly flavors are catching your attention, there's always some, like, standard, standard flavors there to to scratch your donut itch. Um, But they're very good. Support local businesses during these trying times. And if you are in the greater Boston area and you like donuts, support this local business in particular. You know, out of out of deference to your pick, I will not name it, but a a hipster donut place opened up on my neighborhood right around the beginning of pandemic. And they had it was like a wait list to get these donuts i mean partly because they were doing limited staff and all that for pandemic but people went bonkers for them and my hot take is a lot of them are like too hipster and i'm like actually i just want like chocolate do you guys have like chocolate and they're like no (laughs) well blackbird does They're like, no, but we have, like, a a spicy ganache with, like, salted caramel. I'm like, no, but that sounds good, but I just want chocolate. Anyway. If we're we're thinking of the same hipster donut place that's over by where you live, I don't... They only do cake donuts, and I am a yeasted donut person, so I am not super into them to begin with. Well, okay. I guess I will name them. I'm thinking of Mass Hole, and they yes, do. Yes, that do, is what I'm thinking. They of. don't only do cake donuts because I like cake donuts. I keep and also, but they only do donut holes, which is their thing, which I'm actually fine with because I do like a donut hole. But they do some yeasted ones, but then they're like filled, and it's like too much for a donut hole. Anyway. I wonder if it's just uh, whenever I've like gone to parties that our friends have thrown, they've only ordered the cake flavors. Anyway, we'll dig into this later. Let's yes. let's move on. My number nine thing of 2020 uh, was just Baby Yoda, who I have recently learned um, 
because Rosario Dawson arrived on the Mandalorian to explain his name is Grogu, but I will not call him Grogu. I will call him Baby Yoda until he becomes an adult Yoda, probably. <laughs> um, and I, I need to be very clear. I do not mean that the show The Mandalorian was my favorite thing of 2020. I mean specifically Baby Yoda. I, it's so cute. The Baby Yoda memes, the gifs. I, oh, he's so cute. And that's really the kind of Star Wars fan that I am, is whatever is cute is what I like. <laughs> like, I, when everyone else on the internet, not everyone, when a majority of fans, I think, on the internet were like, oh, um, like, tired of Porgs, what's up with Porgs, Porgs, Porgs aren't that cool. I was like, I need all Porg movie, I only want Porgs. Uh, and that's how I feel about Baby Yoda. He's so cute. Mm. Um... I also I like that Timothy Oliphant was on The Mandalorian. Those are the things I like. <laughs> My number eight thing, uh, best thing from twenty twenty, is not, and, and as most of my things are aren't, is not like a thing that only happened in twenty twenty, um, but is something that helped me get through twenty twenty, and that's uh, Stardew Valley, which is a um farming simulator video game that is available both for mobile and switch and also other things that i don't have but those are the two that i've played it on is ios and on my switch you can also just play it on a computer yeah which is how i Uh, i'm just just letting listeners know if they're like i maybe want to check that out i have a computer um and it is a video game where you uh find out that your late grandfather has left you his farm in Pelican Town, in Stardew Valley, and you decide that you are going to quit your corporate office life and go live on his farm and become a farmer. And it's just, it is a, you know, farming simulator. You you plant crops, you water your crops, you harvest them and then sell them in town, and then you use that money to make your farm better. Um, you can get, once you build up enough money you can build a barn and have animals and then harvest like the animal products the like wool and milk and eggs this isn't a it is a vegetarian game and thank Um, god (laughs) and at the same time you also um can make friends with all of the people who live in the town and there are a selection of men and women that you can also uh attempt to romance uh regardless of gender and uh yeah it is it it gets like weird like the mythology of it gets weird like there's this uh abandoned community center that these woodland creatures live in and if you gather certain things for them they will make the community center um new again and then you can have the uh, general store manager punch the walmart manager in the face until he flies literally off the screen and then the Walmart closes down. It's not called Walmart. It's called Jojo Mart, but you yeah, know, it's, there's... A, it's a game. I, I also, I didn't really play it this, that much this year, but it's, um, it's funny. Like the, the writing of the game, the dialogue is funny. It has kind of just like a quirky sense of humor to it. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a chill way to unlike, um, 
which was the thing that I was explaining to, I think, a lot of my friends who hadn't played it before but were considering it um, after they kind of got burned out from Animal Crossing. It's not... It's on a timer, but it's not... Like, if when you play Animal Crossing, which we'll get to, um, you... It runs in real time. Um, Stardew Valley, like runs through like every I think 10 seconds is 15 minutes in the game so you know time passes but it passes at a clip and you can like pause it or turn off the game yeah <laughs> and if it's, come back if it's to day it. one of winter and you save your farm and shut your computer for months and you come back it'll be day two of winter when you get back yeah um, but it, it's a nice, relaxing, fun game. Um, it's more fun than it sounds when I say, like, you you harvest crops over and over again. Um, there's lots of cool little side quests and adventures, and um, the developers are always adding new things in, I believe, the last big update, which was maybe at either the end of 2019 or the beginning of 2020. Um, he added a movie theater that you could unlock. Um, there's all sorts of cool stuff in it to discover and uh yeah i highly recommend it like renata said um it's available on the steam shop i believe but also on switch and on your mobile device and uh if you're looking for a relaxing video game it is worth the money yeah all right well my number eight thing of that got me through 2020 is lady pop stars and I pinned on this as my list item because I was kind of like, oh, should I put Lady Gaga or should I put Kesha or should I put Taylor Swift or Ariana Grande? And I was like, uh, I'll do a category and cheat <laughs> the system in this fashion. Um, yeah, I have like pretty basic, hashtag basic taste in music. And so I love all of those artists. Um, they, actually, I was going to say, I think they all had albums come out this year. I think maybe Kesha's technically came out the end of last year, and I'm not going to fact check. But spiritually, they all were here for me this year. Um, and I know there was sort of a moment where like Lady Gaga delayed her album because of pandemic, and then it sort of became clear that, no, she better just put it out here because pandemic's going to be a minute. And that was a delight when that came out. Um, Taylor Swift's surprise album. Just chef's kiss. Love it. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here, too, and say that I debated putting Folklore, uh, Taylor Swift's surprise album, on here. Because um, I don't always listen to a lot of pop music, um, but I do occasionally listen to Taylor Swift and... Uh, with, which, again, I always say this when I'm talking about it in the newsletter. This is no judgment on people who do listen to pop music. Like, I don't not listen to it because I think that it's, like, not intellectual or not cool or it's only for little girls. Like, it just usually is not always to my particular tastes. Um, but I am into, like, creepy forests and misty autumn mornings and folk music. Um, and... I ended up buying Folklore and got real into it, uh, much more than I would have thought. And yeah, so also, also shout out to Taylor Swift yeah, thank for you. that. Thank you, ladies. By the way, I did just fact check myself and uh, uh, Kesha's latest album came out January 31st, 2020. So it is a 2020 all-star. 
downgrade to the fact that um, I and some friends had tickets to Kesha's concert that was supposed to be in May in Boston. Obviously canceled. Obviously that's the correct thing to do, but ooh, I will be so happy when concerts can happen again. Yeah. Because Big Frida was going to be the guest. Can you imagine? <laughs> anyway. Alright, um, my number seven is another video game-ish. Um, which is uh, the general category of Jackbox games. If you're unfamiliar, Jackbox is the company that did You Don't Know Jack back in like the 90s. Um, and they have released for many platforms uh, a series of party packs of different games that you can play with friends. And uh, the great thing about them is that while the game screen itself is up on, you know, your Switch or your computer or whatever, uh, all you need to join in to play along is a phone. You don't need like a controller or like a Wi-Fi connection to the game itself. So you can stream the game like over Zoom and all of your friends can play even though it's pandemic times and you can't see each other. And I, uh, Jackbox Games got me through a lot of the social isolation parts of the pandemic times. Um, in particular, my friends group is fans of the trivia murder party games, wherein uh, you have been captured by a serial killer who is making you answer trivia questions. And uh, when all but one of you is dead, you have to race to get out of the uh, building before he murders you as well. I like that one. That one's hard for me because I don't like scary things, but I do like trivia. Um, but overall, it's it's pretty funny. And if you yes. die, you become a ghost. So that's cool. Yeah. And Renata is like the reigning champion of that in our friends group. We are really into Quiplash, which is where you'll get a prompt to provide a funny answer to a weird question, and then the two answers go head to head and you have to vote on which one is better. Uh, we are into Drawful, where you need, you are given a prompt and you have to draw whatever it is, and then it goes up on screen, and other people have to try to come up with a title for it, and then all the titles and the real title the real prompt are put up on the screen together and you have to vote on which one is the actual was the actual prompt. And the prompts that it gives you, it's not like Pictionary where it's like an apple or whatever. Pictionary probably wouldn't do an apple. It's too easy. But they're like they're like abstract concepts or they're like, um, you know, a, a scientist watching Jello mutate or something or like it's they're they're funny and weird things to draw. And sometimes they're just like there's one that's literally like cat pizza house knife <laughs> so like you draw those things and people are trying to figure out like what the cat with the knife is doing in the house to chop up the pizza but really it's just cat pizza house knife <laughs> um that one's good tko where um people draw things and then just a whole bunch of random drawings and then put in a whole bunch of random random slogans and then you have to choose a drawing and a slogan to put together as a t-shirt and then everyone can vote on like which t-shirt is the best and then at the end you can buy the t-shirts because Jackbox saw this as a money-making opportunity and I declined to say how much money I have spent <laughs> on TKO t-shirts over the course of the pandemic times no one needs to know that but me uh, I I'm maybe wearing also, one like, right now 
TKO <laughs> is a game, like, when we would go through the Jackbox game pack and be like, what should we play? What should we play? For a long time, we skipped TKO because we were like, I don't really get how that's different from Drawful. That seems bad. I don't know. I don't know. And then we finally tried it. It's so hard to explain. I don't know. There is just something so delightful about, like, somehow the act of putting it on a little cartoon t-shirt does make it a different game. And, like, the slow, like, once you get the groove of understanding, like, what kinds of slogans make for good t-shirts, like, it is a different category of, of fun. So yeah. check it out. If you've been, like, looking at your Jackbox screen, like, I don't know, what's this t-shirt game? Check it out. Yeah, it was, if I remember correctly, um, and actually, I I think this is, you were here for this, Renata, it might have been before you moved here, but it was like, I I think it was my birthday party, and we were playing random games, and I had to, like, go talk to the food guy, or use the bathroom, or do something, and I had left the room for a few minutes, and everyone was like, oh, well, this game looks stupid, so why don't we play it, just see what it is now, like while Kate's busy so that we can play like a good game when she comes back. And then it turned out to be like our new favorite game. I was there. And because my roommate bought the t-shirt from that first game and the winning shirt used my drawing of a mouse, which is a real point of. Oh, that's me. the one I'm wearing right now. The uh, what is love shirt. Yep. I made that. I mean, <laughs> I didn't, but I drew the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> It's very, it's very good. It's very dumb. I highly recommend it. Um, And if you, you somehow are as online as it takes to know what podcasts are, but yet don't know what Jackbox games are. um, Now you know. You know. Check them out. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. If it wasn't obvious for me chiming in, that's a plus one for me. I also really enjoy Jackbox games. Um, but my number seven favorite thing of 2020 was uh, snail mail. I've I've actually always been a pretty big uh, fan of snail mail. I have an extensive stationery collection. And I don't know, I just think it's fun to send stuff in the mail and to get stuff in the mail. And that really ramped up for me in 2020, as it did for many of my correspondents. And it was also nice for me because for at least a while there, I was able to send out a lot of my stationery stash without going into stores and buying more stationery. <laughs> so I did put a little dent in it because for a little while there, it was actually hard for me to get that drawer closed. <laughs> and um, and now I've sent out enough postcards that I can close my drawer again. <laughs> Well, I have appreciated receipt being on the receiving end of several of those pieces yeah. of stationery. Yeah, and it's also so I used to always like tape up my Christmas cards when they or holiday cards, you know, when they would come. And then I realized like, oh, why am I limited? And so I just sort of put up whatever mail I get on the door because the fridge is full and it it does give our apartment kind of like a dorm room feel, but it's just nice. Like when I walk out the door, I'm like, oh, look at all these cards from people who I like and they've you know and it's it's not the holiday cards with the photos it's just like a random postcard or whatever but I like to look at them nice yay so that's my secondary life hack is just like tape stuff to your door like you're in college and no one can stop you (laughs) use painter's tape so you don't fuck up your door (laughs) my number six uh is another broad category um, which is just murder shows. 
Uh, I've talked, I know I talk all the time in the newsletter about murder shows. I talk all the time on Twitter about murder shows. Uh, we guest edited Two Bossy Dames a couple years ago, and I used it to talk about murder shows. I like a murder show. Um, and it is, you know, I will say here, you know, there there is a certain amount of self-awareness that I have about um, the issues surrounding police brutality and racism and, you know, cops murdering black people in particular, um, and the way that, uh, media has portrayed police leading people to this sort of, like, false sense of, uh, believing that they're right about everything. Like, I, I do understand all of those things. I'm not unaware that that has all contributed to the world that we live in, but, I do just really like watching Law & Order. I find it very comforting. I find all the Law & Orders very comforting. I find Criminal Minds very comforting. I, you know, these shows were on cable all the time when I was growing up. And they just, I would just put it on in the background while I was doing homework or reading or doing other things uh, or eating dinner or whatever. So I've seen most of them so many times. I can basically recite them. And it is very much a comfort object to me. Um, right now I'm in the midst of doing a rewatch of Law and Order Criminal Intent, which is my favorite Law and Order, um, which has Alex Eames, who is my favorite maybe Law and Order character, aside from maybe Lenny Briscoe, he's also way, way up there. But, um, you know, Alex is maybe one of my favorite characters across all of the different Law and Order franchises. Um, and it's only streaming for like the first time um, on NBC's Peacock streaming service, which I purchased a full year of right out of the the door when it first came out, because I was like, I need to have this at my disposal. And it's already been worth it. But in addition to um, like fictional murder shows, which, you know, I'll, I'll say that not that not that this not that this means that they don't contribute to those things. I do think particularly in the law and order verse, um, there is frequently a lot of emphasis on how there is a lot of corruption in the police department and there are like these terrible people who are using the police force to further their own like racist or misogynistic or homophobic agenda. And that, like, our protagonists are trying to get to the bottom of those things, um, especially in criminal intent, because they do a lot of the um, the major cases. But even that aside, you know, it's just it is a comforting thing to me, as is watching true crime documentaries. I have watched so many entire series of true crime shows from start to finish over the course of the pandemic. Vanity Fair Confidential, People Magazine Investigates, The New Unsolved Mysteries, The Old Unsolved Mysteries, uh, Disappeared, uh, the one where it interviews people who lived with killers, Evil Lives Here, just lots of, lots of, I've got ID Go installed on my Roku. And yeah, I, I don't, I can't, I, I, there are many more people out there who are much smarter than I am who have tried to explain why true crime, um, and fictional crime appeals to folks. Uh, and I, I can't tell you why it appeals to me, but I can tell you that I consume a lot of it. Uh, I have been going to bed listening to my favorite murder for the past several months 
because I listened to The Empty Bowl so many times that I have basically have all the episodes memorized. So I was like, I need to put on something else. And I started doing My Favorite Murder because I find Karen and George's voices to be very soothing. I, I can't explain it. <laughs> well, but it's been there for me. <laughs> I haven't watched any of that shit. And I won't. But I do... Um, as Kate was saying about people explaining the appeal of true crime, I'm, I know we said this wasn't going to be a book episode, but I do want to give a shout out to the book Savage Appetites by Rachel Monroe, which I really like. It is sort of an exploration of the culture around true crime, and I read it and I enjoyed it because I, I don't get the appeal of true crime, but I sort of wanted to, and I thought it was just a really interesting um, book, so I would recommend that. Did you read that, Kate? I did not. I did not read any books this well, year. Well, it didn't come out this year. It came out like last year or two years ago. So I didn't know. So I wasn't trying to rub it in. I was genuinely <laughs> um, That's a book. All right. Well, you know what? I didn't do this on purpose when I was numbering my list, but my number six thing is almost like the diametric opposite of Kate's thing. Um, my number six favorite thing of 2020 was the podcast Who Weekly, which is a, um, a celebrity gossip podcast that only focuses on like c-list celebrities like in the in the world of who weekly there's two categories of celebrities which is who's and thems and the thems are like your a-listers like tom hanks is a them george clooney's a them beyonce's a them but so they don't cover any them news um except for ben affleck but uh they cover who's and so it's just the most stupid gossip and um this it's really funny it's it's the host bobby and Lindsay have like a really charming energy um and this podcast has been around for a while and i know a lot of people listen to it and people had recommended it to me to the extent that um a while ago i was talking to friend of the show margaret and she was trying to explain a person to me or like describe them and she's like oh you you met them at the who weekly live show in boston i was like no, I didn't go to that. And she's like, what? I remembered you being there. And I was like, no, I've actually never listened to that podcast. And she was so thrown by that. And she was like, you well, you need to listen to it. Like, it's so your thing. And I was like, all right. Like, I guess if you're, like, implanting me into your memories, I guess I will check out the podcast. And, like, she's right. Everyone's right. It's just, it's just funny and light and the exact kind of, like, stupid... Um, pointless pop culture shit that I enjoyed and I think especially in 2020 when every news story was so stressful it was really just nice and relaxing to have the story be like you know Ben Affleck's not wearing a mask when he goes to Dunkin Donuts which actually is a little stressful like he should be wearing masks but you know just have it be these like very low stakes things of like who is you know, who's seen walking around and, and the shift, I honestly feel like these 2020 episodes of who weekly are an interesting cultural shift for future historians to look at the way tabloids suddenly had to adapt to like celebrities briefly not doing anything because of the pandemic. And then as they started to do things again, often perhaps unwisely, but um, that's it. Who Weekly, just a podcast about inconsequential celebrity nonsense. Where almost no one dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, my number five is another podcast. Um, it is the horror podcast, The Magnus Archives. 
which is a show that I've been listening to for a couple of years. It is, it starts out as sort of a horror anthology show. The concept being that there is this institute in London where if you have paranormal experiences, you can go and tell them and theoretically they study them, quote unquote. Um, but the new archivist, Jonathan Sims, who's also the name of the writer, it's a thing, um, has discovered that there are some statements that don't that people leave that don't record when he goes to commit them to tape on his laptop and instead they'll only record on old um like analog audio cassettes so the beginning of the show is him reading these particular statements and it becomes very clear to the listener at a certain point that the statements that he's reading are things that actually he's very skeptical at the start and it becomes clear to the listener that these are things that did actually happen. These are paranormal experiences that actually happened to people. Um, and that perhaps the other statements, the ones that do record to computers, are not real things that have happened. Um, and from there, kind of, you start to realize that a lot of these statements are connected to each other in weird ways, and that the Institute is also connected to them, and weird things keep happening. And the show sort of spirals outward into this really incredible world building um, that is seeded from literally the first episode. Like, if you listen to it all the way through and then go back and listen to it again from the beginning, you'll get really mad at how good it is. That's my main emotion is all the time I tell people how furious I am and how good it is. Um, but it was not necessarily a thing that I was like obsessive, obsessive about up until the quarantine times <laughs> when uh, I'm not going to give any spoilers because I do think that it is um, it is a, a, a fun show to have revealed to you as you go. Um, but the end of the fourth season, it, halfway through the last episode, there is this uh, un, unusual, um, uncharacteristic moment of calm for the characters for three weeks, where they just have like really good days. And of course, like a fandom has popped up around this show. And there are so many really excellently written stories that take place over those three weeks where nothing bad happens to the characters. And when I couldn't sleep during the pandemic times, I started reading those stories until like 2am as a way to like calm my brain and my anxiety enough to sleep. Um, so even though I, I had never necessarily been fanish about this show, having that there for me <laughs> during the pandemic times was really um, nice and helpful. And also um, my roommate, um, when I was re-listening to um, the episodes prior to the beginning of the fifth season, she was like, oh, hey, I'll listen to this with you. And now she's also really into it. So now it's also like a, a thing that we can do every week where like we turn off the TV and we just listen to the new episode together and talk about it. And then I go on Slack and make lots of crying emoji faces about my favorite character. And, you know, it's nice. It's a good bonding experience. I will warn you in advance. There are they do put content warnings on every episode. There's a content warning for basically everything imaginable except uh, sexual assault and animal cruelty. <laughs> Um, actually, no, there is some animal cruelty. There is, um, yeah, no pet cruelty, I should say. Well, Duarte approves of that. 
it is galloping towards a very tragic ending, which is something that has been very clear from the production crew from the start, from the writer from the start, that this is going to not necessarily end well for all the characters. And to be honest, I probably wouldn't have started it if I had known that at the beginning, um, when it was sold to me back in like season two or three, it was as an anthology show. But then I got really attached to the characters and now I can't just really walk away. So here we are. Um, but it's good. It's fun. Um, it's surprisingly funny for a show that is about like the worst horrors of humanity. And uh, the characters are all great. And everyone's gay. It's <laughs> wonderful. Okay, I love the way that our lists are just continually us living out that scene from Parks and Rec where April's like, someone will die. And Andy's like, oh, fun. <laughs> uh, anyway, as as Andy Dwyer, I will say my number five favorite thing of 2020 was watching the Golden Girls, <laughs> which is... I know it's obviously an older show. It's been around forever. I know a lot of people have fond memories of, like, watching it when they were younger. And I don't know. It just wasn't... It wasn't something we watched in our house. Um, I hadn't... I was vaguely familiar with it, but I hadn't really sat down to watch it. Um, I know especially it is kind of a pop culture touchstone for a lot of drag queens. And so I maybe became more familiar um, with it through that. And then it, it was on Hulu. And I was looking for... Just like a light half hour sitcom to watch. And that is what the Golden Girls is. And I'm here to tell you it holds up remarkably well. Like this show, I mean, it has some jokes um, that are jokes about like women and, um, you know, abortion and being older women dating and and not necessarily jokes, but um queer characters on this like late 80s early 90s sitcom that I was like whoa like this is honestly still more representation than a lot of shows now have Golden Girls like so th- th- like that was surprising and there are a few you know there's a character where there's a show with a transgender character that like the language around that has definitely changed where it's a little like ooh but the way that they treat that character is still very sweet it's tender. I don't know. It's it's a nice show and it's very funny still. And and if you have never gotten around to watching Golden Girls, I'm here to tell you it's available and it's it's worth your time and it's just I think especially in I started watching it maybe like in March or April. And the the kind of coziness of the world where so often these four women are just sort of sitting around their house and I was like, "Oh, that's that's what I'm doing. It's just sitting around my house." Um, there, I don't know, there's a coziness to it, although they are sometimes going off and having wild adventures, but often it's just sort of cozy around the lanai, around their house, and I I really enjoyed it. Yay. Yeah. Uh, what number are we on? Number four. Four. Um, so number four on my list is Animal Crossing, which I know Renata also has a lot to say about. So much. Um, so very brief history of this here. Um, I had played Animal Crossing on the, um, Pocket Camp, the mobile game. That was my first Animal Crossing experience. I really enjoyed it a lot. I played it for a while. 
And then last year, around this time, I had considered buying a Switch for myself for various reasons. Um, And instead, so I was going to buy one, but then like my new roommate and I had to buy a lot of furniture. So I was like, okay, well, I can't spend that money right now. Um, Then I was like, oh, well, maybe I will um, buy it for like around when I'm home for between Thanksgiving and Christmas, like probably the switch itself won't go on sale, but maybe there'll be like a good sale on accessories or something. Um, but then instead there was a really good price for tickets to go visit, um, my best friend and her family, including my baby nephew. So I was like, nah, I'm going to do that instead. And I'll, you know, get a switch after Christmas. And then I found out not long after I bought those plane tickets that we were going to have to move again very unexpectedly and very quickly. So then I didn't have money to to do it then either. And then when I was actually in Mississippi visiting my friend Sarah, um, I had told her this whole story. And that was when the Animal Crossing colored switch was announced. And I, like I said, I had only played one Animal Crossing game before, but it was very much my aesthetic. I also, and, sorry, I just want to clarify for people who aren't familiar, the the design, like the plastic shell of the device itself is like patterned and colored. It, like, just if people aren't familiar with, with what the Animal Crossing colored switch is. That's yeah, so it's just, it just got different colors of the switch. It's And it's got the little raccoons. It's very cute. The, sorry, yes. the little tanukis. Um, so I, you know, I was there and um, my friend Sarah, who is bad influence on everything, was like, just buy it. Just pre-order it. Just do it. You know you want to. Just do it. So I did it, and I spent the next three to four weeks feeling intensely um, guilty that I had spent that much money and feeling very bad about it and, like, having a lot of stress and anxiety about it, because that's what I do constantly is have stress and anxiety about money and how irresponsible it was to spend that much money on a purchase when like I live paycheck to paycheck and you know, all of the things that you tell yourself when you don't have enough money. (laughs) um, Then the pandemic happened (laughs) and suddenly it was the best like fucking $300 or whatever it was that I had ever spent in my life. Like, thank God. Thank God, Sarah. I know I've said it before, but thank you so much for convincing me to do it because um, the the pandemic happened and suddenly you could not find a fucking switch anywhere. They were impossible to find, partially because everyone was stuck inside their house, but partially very specifically because the new Animal Crossing game came out in March and everyone started playing it. And it just... if. The, the, the concept of this game in particular is you have bought a getaway package to move to this beautiful remote island um, and you move there and you like take out a loan from this raccoon who lives on the island so that you can build a little house and you can take out more loans <laughs> so that you can make your house bigger. Um, and you can make money by selling things you find on the island like fruit and fish and bugs to the raccoon's nephews who own a general store (laughs) and then get money from them that you can give to the raccoon to pay off your loans. Uh, You can dress your character in different clothes every day. 
you can decorate the interior of your house with all these items of furniture that you can buy from the children and also sometimes they fall from trees. You can collect recipes to make new kinds of furniture to put in your house. It's just a very soothing game. People play Animal Crossing in very different ways. Um, there are people who are completionists. There are people who, like, they need to get every single recipe. They need to get every single bug and fish because they rotate out through different months. Um, the way they have to get every kind of hybrid flower. They need to collect, like, whole sets of furniture. And I am not, I am fascinated by the very different ways that people play it. Because for me, I like decorating my house, <laughs> changing my clothes, and becoming good friends with my residents. <laughs> those are my three. And just the act of doing those things is so soothing to me. You know, I'm never going to have an island that by the game standards is five stars. I'm not going to have like the most money or the most complete like collection of bugs and fish. But I have all of my all of my islanders. They all love me enough that they have sent me personalized photos of themselves. Uh, I have a very nice house with like a murder attic and a great comet basement. Um, I have a great selection of clothes, including a lot of custom clothes that I have made that are Halloween themed. You know, it's just it's a nice world to disappear to for a little while. Um, and the added perk is that this game allows you to invite friends over to your island and visit their islands. So especially very early in the pandemic, when we in the Boston area were on lockdown still, it was very nice to, quote unquote, see my friends by having them come over to my island or going over to theirs. Um, it was just, it was a nice, is nice. It's nice. I feel like they should have an ad campaign that's just Animal Crossing, colon. It's nice. It is nice. Um, I know I said I didn't want to be too repetitive, but Animal Crossing is very important to me, so it is separately on my list, so I'll talk about that when it when it comes up on my list. But for now, I'll just say I love Animal Crossing. I love that's it. very good. But what I also love is the number four thing on my top 20 top 10 things of 2020 list which is just a little webcomic called greb comics and i don't even know how i encountered this in the first place um it is on instagram it is on tumblr you can just um it's just greb comics i think in both places and it's just these very simple like four panel com comics um about this sort of like magical animal world they have the vibe of like a children's TV show or something like it's just very simple but a, like a, a little bit surreal in the way that sometimes like I don't know like a Yo Gabba Gabba would be um, and the world of Grub Comics is so soothing and the low stakes bizarre humor of it has really spoken to me and there's different I guess like recurring characters and it's not really clear to what extent any of these creatures are, like, related or interact with each other. Just They just sort of different animals show up every day. But the one that I am obsessed with 
is um, a little guy that I call Soup Frog. I don't think he has a name. I think he's just a little frog who likes soup. And that's literally it. It's just like four pan. There's multiple takes on this where it's just the punchline is that this frog likes soup and now he has acquired soup and I live <laughs> for this shit. <laughs> I guess this is actually like Baby Yoda, but in but it's a frog. <laughs> um, that's it. It's so simple. And um, I-, I guess going along with this, so as a librarian, I've been back at work since May, like, in the building, um, which has been a little stressful, but, um, one thing that, that gets me through is, um, you know, that I, I work and share a, a small office with my, my good friend Anna, and if either of us gets COVID, we're both definitely getting it, because our office is very small, but, uh, until then, we just, like, tweet Greb comics back and forth at each other, and, the soup frog's catchphrase is y'all know I like soup and we just say that to each other and partly like we are just losing our minds from the stress of like working in a COVID zone and partly like it's just very cute and partly we also just also really like soup and so something about the particular way that our brains have broken in 2020 is like really responding to this soup frog (laughs) so I recommend checking him out (laughs) Alright, this is the most niche thing on my list. And I almost left it off my list because I was just like, do I really want to talk about this on my podcast? Like, do I really want to become this person? But then I realized that I've talked about it in the newsletter pretty much constantly this entire uh, this entire pandemic and before that too. And uh, Also, like, not to cyberbully our listeners, but they're nerds. They are nerds and... <laughs> And it's not like I don't want to talk about this topic all the time. I do. Like, I am literally, there's a, a girl who messaged me on OkCupid and used this as her opening line. And I was like, I will respond to this message immediately. I have put down everything I'm doing so that I can talk to you about Taz Amnesty. Um, but more specifically than that, the thing on this list at my number three is the microscopically rare pair of Barclay and Indrid Cold in the podcast, The Adventure Zone, colon, Amnesty. Um, <laughs> so basically, um, Adventure Zone, The Adventure Zone is a tabletop role-playing RPG done by the McElroy brothers and their father, Clint. Amnesty is their second campaign. It is more or less set in our world in West Virginia. Um, and the concept is that there is a portal uh, in this town of uh, Kepler, West Virginia, that goes between an alien world and our world. And uh, there is an inn very near to that portal where refugees from this alien world live and work. And they are uh, largely what we would consider like the cryptids and monsters of legend are people who have come over from this world and in their natural forms look like you know, Bigfoot and vampires and the Mothman and things like that. And that's how these stories have been created. And the the player characters end up like working with the people who live in this inn. And Barclay is Bigfoot and he is the cook at the inn and a member of the team of people who fight the bad guys who are also, I'm not going to get into all the nitty gritty of the campaign. Um, 
And Indrid is the Mothman, which if you know Mothman lore, you probably already put that together. And when Indrid was first introduced, something just kind of pinged in my brain because a lot of the way that he was introduced was diametrically opposite from the things that we already knew about Barclay. You know, that he is very messy, that he's kind of like fast and loose with his identity and all of these different things. Like, and they both, both are clearly like cryptids, both Bigfoot and Mothman are cryptids that are um, very prevalent in American culture. And I would say probably are two of the most recognizable cryptids in American culture. And both of them had, um, which maybe you have to be more of a nerd to know this, but in like the late 60s, 66, 67, both of them had very notable, like, news stories happen about them. So in my head listening to this, I was like, oh my god, they're in love, obviously. Obviously they're in love. And then I started writing it, and then I very quickly discovered that literally no one else on the internet came to this conclusion. Everyone else instead had been shipping each of them with different characters. Uh, there was one other person who had written literally any fic for it, aside from me. And it was a little bit disheartening to like be like, oh, I wrote this thing and like three people have read it and nobody else wants to really talk about it with me all the time, which is all I want to talk about. And that ramped up to a million during the pandemic. My brain was like, I'm going to fixate on this pairing and nothing else. This is going to be what gets you through the day. And I'm like, great, excellent. I definitely need something to get me through the day because the pills aren't working and it's pandemic times. But like, also, there was no one to talk about it with. So it was mostly just in my head. You know, I, from the start of the pandemic until probably like mid-summer, I wrote zero words. And then like early to mid-summer, I started writing like 17 more fix for them all at the same time, which again, literally no one cares about. Uh, but it just was what, it is the only creative output that I have made this year. It is the only thing I ever want to talk about. No one else wants to talk about it. So I, on, on the Slack that my friends group has, I have a thread where I just say all the things that I want to tweet all the time about this pairing and about the projects I'm working on. I am the only one in the thread. Kate, <laughs> but don't. it gives me. Kate, sometimes I put heart emojis in there. <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm supportive <laughs> I I it is it is all I have wanted to do this entire pandemic is like think and talk nonstop about this um, and I do appreciate I actually don't frequently see your heart emojis because I think when I post I post so many things at once <laughs> that I don't go back and read what the previous things I've written are. <laughs> All right, well, just feel feel the heart emojis inside your heart. <laughs> I will. I'll feel them in my heart. Yeah, so this is, you know, thank God for this weird hyperfixation to get me through pandemic times. But good God, I wish, like, anyone wanted to talk about it as much as I do, which is literally all the time. <laughs> well, see, this is why I put it in the podcast. Maybe some, you know, tweet at Kate if this has awoken anything inside you. Um. <laughs> By the way, I like I like adventures and I like that pairing too, but unfortunately, my brain is full of soup frog, so I don't have. Which I, is fine. Like, I'm not I don't, no, no shame. <laughs> I appreciate you beta reading all of my nonsense. 
I mean, like, like I like the stories. I like them. I like the characters. I just don't, I just don't like them as much. It is hard. It would be hard for people at this point, <laughs> I think, to reach that level. Um, Sorry, Becca. I recorded that whole portion with my head in my hand. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, my number three favorite thing of 2020. This is another time where I copped out and made a broad category like pop stars, but this category is called DC Comics TV Shows. And if you, you know, I, I'm not someone who has like such strong allegiances that I'm like, I'm only Marvel, no DC, but I definitely trend toward Marvel in terms of like the big two comics and those, I guess, are more the characters that I grew up with. And, of course, the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a, is more fun to me than the DC movies. But uh, 2020 kind of hit a point where I was like, oh, I've consumed all the Marvel content. Although, actually, as I'm saying that, I have still not watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I don't know why, but that show just doesn't appeal to me. And not even Pandemic could make it appeal to me. But what did appeal to me was... Um, so, as... Perhaps is the case for many of you with roommates. At any given time, I usually have, like, a couple TV projects. Like, my roommate and I will watch shows together when we're watching TV together. But then I have, like, my alone shows that I watch when my roommate's not around. And so, or, you know, I think people do this with their spouses or partners or whatever. Where, you anyway, the point is, um, this has been a joint project of my roommate and I both getting deeply into DC Comics in the specific way of we we both are all in on the DC CW show Legends of Tomorrow and I probably have I keep telling everyone to watch this show because it is so fun it's so incredible it's technically part of the Arrowverse which started with Arrow obviously and you know the Flash and all those it's tied into that, but I don't think you need to have seen those. Like, I've watched some of them, but my roommate hadn't seen anything besides Legends of Tomorrow, and she can follow it because it's just, like, nonsense, and also it will give you, like, a previously on um, if you need to know something that was on a different show first. So I say skip all that, jump to Legends of Tomorrow, the best show. Um, the premise is that it's this, like, ragtag team of... You know, to go back to Who Weekly, these are like the Who's of the DC universe, <laughs> and they're 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 assembled for this time travel team. And the leader is like, you know, we looked at the timeline, and like, no one will miss you guys if you leave if you leave the year two thousand eight or whatever it starts. Like, no one's gonna miss you guys. Like, if we just took Arrow and the Flash away from the timeline, people are like where they go, but no one's gonna miss you guys. Um, and so. The team lineup shifts per season, but the the kind of captain is Sarah Lance, a.k.a. White Canary, who is this incredible, like, out bisexual woman who, like, to, to quote friend of the show, Margaret, is actionably bisexual and has a lot of hookups with ladies and hookups slash committed relationships as the show goes on. Um, and she's... Um, uh, you know, she has kind of her tortured assassin's past or whatever, but then there's, like, goofier characters like uh, Ray Palmer, a.k.a. The Atom, who is just, he's just a nice boy, and every time he talks, my roommate are like, what a nice boy. And, and it's nice to have nice boys around, I think. 
Um, and then there's like uh, Captain Cold and Nick Rory. I forget what his fire theme name is because he kind of doesn't use it anymore. Like who are sort of like B-list villains from The Flash. And Victor Garber is there as a very he and this and and Jefferson Jackson had a science accident where they become this weird superhero called Firestorm that like their bodies fuse and also turn into fire. I I don't understand what their actual superhero deal is, but like Victor Garber is there and that's the main thing. Anyway, this show kind of reboots itself every season where there's a different sort of big bad and there's a different like time problem that they have to resolve. And I, people told me the first season was skippable, but I didn't skip it. But I think they're right, and it is skippable because it keeps rebooting itself. So, like, everything in season one is resolved and done with, and you don't really need to know it anymore in further seasons. And in the first season, I think they were trying to be a little bit more serious, kind of like Arrow. And then as the seasons go on, they're like, actually, no, like, time travel's goofy. We're just going to be a goofy time travel show. Um, and I love that for them. It's so funny. It's so weird. The characters are great. It's just, you know, if, if you love, like, a ragtag found family on a spaceship, like, here you go. They're fucking great. Um, it is it is a much more diverse show than, than, frankly, anything Marvel has given us outside of Black Panther. And... The episode that is imprinted on my mind that I always try to describe people when I'm trying to sh- sell them on Legends of Tomorrow is uh, we, we cut to a, a younger, like, you know, lightly CGI'd Victor Garber trying to buy a toy for his child for Hanukkah in, like, the eight, I think maybe it's the late 80s, early 90s. Anyway, it's, it's a Bebo toy, which is their knockoff Tickle Me Elmo, and it basically is just, like, a blue Elmo, and it talks when you squeeze it, and he has just a quite, and it's, you know, very soft after he's in line to get this Bebo, and then he gets the last Bebo, and then he's sucked back through time to Viking times with the Bebo, and so the Vikings take the Bebo as their god, and, like, there's these very hilarious and sort of sinister scenes where the Vikings have the Bebo and they squeeze it and says, like, Bebo, hungry. And they're like, Bebo needs a blood sacrifice. And so because of this, it's altered the timeline because now because the Viking culture took Bebo, it kind of trickled down. And then in present day timeline, instead of Christmas, everyone celebrates Bebo Day which is incredible. And so anyway, so then the legends have to go back to Viking times to get this Bebo doll back from the Vikings. I'm obsessed with it. DC so far will not sell me a Bebo doll, but I desperately want one. Anyway, so that's number one on my DC comic shows. It is the best one. Please do watch Legends of Tomorrow. It's originally on CW. The older seasons are on Netflix. You deserve this. You deserve Legends of Tomorrow. Um, Secondly, Harley Quinn, the animated series, uh, which is on HBO. It's really funny. I We sort of watched it because we'd run out of stuff to watch. And we're like, yeah, well, I guess we like DC now. Let's check it out. And we didn't really have high expectations. Because, like, I like Harley Quinn. I like the Harley Quinn movie. But I'm not necessarily a Harley Quinn super fan, but this show is so funny. Um, it is a little, because it's a cartoon, I think, and I'd recommend it to some people, and they're like, oh, this is like, uh, 
R-rated. And it is R-rated. It's not very graphically violent, but it is sort of clear that, like, these are villains and they have done some murders, which actually is my least favorite part. But, which, again, on brand. But it's it's so funny. And it is, again, the sort of, like, ragtag villain crew. And then it is, um... So in, in season one, like, you watch it and you're like, this is good, but I wish Harley and Ivy were actually a couple. And then season two, you're like, bazinga. They are. And uh, season three is coming, and they've promised that that they will continue to be a couple in season three, which I'm very excited for. And the, just, like, the voice acting cast on it is bonkers. Um Alan Tudyk is is the Joker and also is Clayface, more importantly, because Clayface is this, like, inanimate lump, or an, rather, animate lump of clay who can morph to be anything, and he really wants to be an actor, and he has this, like, really pretentious affect, and it's great. Um, Tony Hale from Rust Development is in it. Um, everyone's in it. Please watch his. And again, it's it's half an hour sitcom. It's very easily watchable in a short amount of time, and then and then rewatch it. Like I watched it, and then I was um, trying to get someone else to watch it, so I watched it with them for a while on a, you know, we streamed it together. And honestly, I laughed just as much the second time through because there were jokes I'd missed the first time because I was laughing so hard that I missed like another joke. It's. Oh, my God. And I forgot to mention King Shark, who is voiced by Ron Funches. And he's like a shark who's a hacker. And again, he's a very nice boy, except for he has bloodthirst if he smells blood because he's a shark. But when there's not blood around, he's just like a very chill hipster shark. And he's so cute. Also, we tried to watch Gotham. And I I was I meant to bring this up when Kate was talking about murder shows and how they're about corrupt or like good cops trying to fight the corrupt system. And we tried to watch Gotham, and there's parts of Gotham that I think are really fun and that I like, such as Jada Pinkett Smith, but I had to put a pause on it because the whole premise is like, the Gotham PD is so corrupt and Jim Gordon's the only good cop. And I was like, this is stressful and this is too real right now. And like, if I wanted corrupt cops, I would just watch the news. So we had to put a pause on Gotham and we're going to maybe try again in 2021. (laughs) Anyway, that's, there's other DC shows, but um, those are my top picks for you. Hooray. I I know I've said it before. I am eventually going to watch Legends of Tomorrow once I run out of Law and Orders. Okay, you gotta. <laughs> um, but my number two is, and I talked a little bit about this in my number three, um, but it is the McElroys in general, which I know probably if you like podcasting, you don't care about the McElroys, you are 100% all the time sick of fucking hearing about them. And I get it. But also, they're very funny. (laughs) And just very, I mean, not wholesome, but like, but kind of wholesome. Kind of wholesome, like, like, good natured. Yes. Like, like, wholesome in a way where also, like, they swear. Like, it's not, yeah, it's not like like good, clean clean comedy, but it's not mean spirited. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, if you somehow are unfamiliar with them, um, they're three brothers, Justin, Travis, and Griffin, who, uh, started podcasting with a show called My Brother, My Brother and Me, and then started doing a tabletop RPG podcast with their father, Clint, called The Adventure Zone, and then each of the boys has a different podcast with their wives, 
uh, and then all sorts of other media. They had a short-lived, um, very, very funny and good TV show called My Brother, My Brother and Me on CISO, which is available to stream somewhere. I don't remember where. Um, they have produced a bunch of uh, graphic novels with Carrie Peach based on the Adventure Zone. Um, and they're just like, they're funny. They're they're trying very hard to put good into the world. Yes. And to be good people. Um, they are like one of the few people in media who when they fuck up, they do like genuine apologies, which is always nice to see. Um, and I, and I too, I hate it. I hate it when people are like, Oh, these white men did the bare minimum. So they're great. And it's not, and I, I don't know. I just yeah, like, honestly, I got into the McElroy's a bit later than most of the folks in our friends group, because I kind of had that attitude of like, do I really need, like, three more white men in my life? Like, yeah, sure, that maybe they're not actively racist, but, like, ugh. And I, I think, and, and you know what, and we're doing it now, I think they are a little bit overexposed maybe in the podcast world, but honestly, I, like, the hype I do feel like is deserved, and they are very funny, and I, I enjoy their content as well. Yeah, like, I have... I'm wearing an Adventure Zone shirt right now. <laughs> You won't clock this crab. It is. Yeah. You, Kate, how did you clock it? <laughs> um. Yeah, I specifically bought it in a, like a bigger size so I could wear it as pajamas because it makes me so happy to wear it. So I like to wear it like every day to sleep in. Yeah, I have had I've had more like I've laughed more at their podcast throughout this pandemic times than it, basically anything else. Um, like I said earlier, when I was talking about murder shows, um, prior to listening to My Favorite Murder to Go to Sleep, I would listen to Justin's uh, serial podcast, The Empty Bowl, but there's only like 30 ep- thirty something episodes, so I would listen to like three or four every night over and over and over again to the point where I've listened to all of them so many times. Um, you know, it's just, it, it is... Justin and his wife, Sydney, do a medical history podcast called Sawbones, and they have been um, doing a lot, tackling a lot of, like, coronavirus disinformation, um, which I haven't listened to all of those just because that seems stressful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I appreciate that they're out there fighting the good fight. Um, you know, I just appreciate, like, the kind of rapport that they have because they are all brothers who have been around each other literally their entire lives and just know each other that well, um, is it just feels so natural that you do always kind of feel like you are just an observer in these three people just making jokes with each other. And it, it just is, it's good and funny and calming and nice. I know I keep saying things are calming and nice, but they are. And that's what I've needed this year. That's what we um, need. By the way, I did look into it. The show is streaming for free on VRV, which I I don't actually know what that is, but that's because I bought it on iTunes so I could have it with me in my heart and on my iPad. But um, you can watch it for free on VRV.co. And I do think, like, the TV show actually I think was my entry point, or maybe it was Adventure Zone, but... The podcast gets overwhelming because there's, like, 500 episodes, and you're like, I don't know, I don't know. But there's only six episodes of the show, and it's sort of like a... 
it functions kind of like a best of. And there's an episode, um, it's episode four, where they talk about teens. And again, this is something that my coworker and I, who are, you know, we're both teen services librarians in our tiny office, we quote this episode, refer to it all the time when we're doing our teen stuff. Um, I'm not going to get into it because it's actually not that funny if you haven't seen it, but please... <laughs> If you are a teen services, like, if you work with youth, please watch the teens episode. You will think about it. It will inform your work. Um, (laughs) It will, it will, it's professional development, honestly. It's so good. But it's just like, it's very, it's. I, I feel very, like, I also, for most of our friends, I would say that I, I think I got into them before Renata, but after the majority of our friends. And I watched, uh, I like, my roommate was into Monster Factory at the time. My roommate at the time was into Monster Factory. And so, like, I watched a bunch of those. And, like, I kind of, like, half listened when she would have stuff playing out loud. And then, like, right around when the TV show came out, like, I watched the TV show with her. And around that time, because it was around, like, the election time. So maybe it was actually before I watched the TV show. um, I got into the Adventure Zone. And it took me, listening to my brother, my brother and me, the podcast, took me the longest to get there because I was like, oh my god, there are so many episodes, though. But truly, fully, you can just download the latest episode and listen to it. And you're there are some like weird inside jokes that you miss, but not not really. Like the things that they say aren't dependent on you knowing that they make a hundred million jokes about horses all the time forever. <laughs> right. And by the way, and they did send a horse to college. They did send a horse to college. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I co-sign all of this. Um, and I guess let's stop talking about the McElroys because either, like, you already know and you're like, yes, I love them, or you're like, I'm sick of hearing about the McElroys and and we'll stop contributing. Yes. <laughs> They're so good, though. Um, all right. My number two thing that got me through 2020, and I did put it separately just to give me a license to talk about it as much as I want, and it is Animal Crossing. And um, I... Love the Animal Crossing series. It's exactly, like, what I want from a game. I previously, I played Wild World and I played New Leaf. And both those games, it's not that they came out. I think it's that I acquired each of them during, like, particularly bad times in my life that I'm not going to get into. But, like, it's so obvious that, like, oh, when things are shitty to go into this, like, quiet little town where, like, there's no real problems and the only problem is, you know... Maybe there's a tarantula that's trying to bite you, but then you just wake up and you're fine. Um, it's, it's, and you know, and when you can't control things that are happening in your life, you absolutely can control, like, where these flowers are planted. And it's just extremely, again, soothing to be able to put order to this world. So it feels correct that this new Animal Crossing game came out at a time when, when things were bad for everyone. And actually, so, like, you know, Kate had pre-ordered the Animal Crossing edition switch i pre-ordered the pink switch light and that came out i think it was maybe supposed to come out at the beginning of march and then it got a little delayed because of pandemic and i was freaking out because everyone else had already started playing animal crossing and i was you know at home and i was like my my beautiful pink switch is supposed to be here and it's 
and I know there's bigger problems, but I really want it. And, I, you know, everyone else has already leveled up their houses, and I haven't even started playing yet. And I was just very stressed about the whole thing. But then my beautiful pink Switch Lite did come. And um, and I think what, what really made this experience of playing Animal Crossing different for me was the last two times I'd played through these games, it was pretty much in isolation. Like... those games did have Wi-Fi functionality where you could visit another person's village. And I think, at least in New Leaf, I definitely had a few friends who had played it and I visited them, like, once. But it was sort of, like... Well, that was the one that I actually played when I was in Peace Corps, and so I didn't really have Wi-Fi. So I was just, like, really playing in isolation. Um, But this, everyone was playing. Like Kate mentioned, you could go visit... And so what actually was really lovely was because I started playing a little bit late because my, because I didn't have it. Um, so all my friends were a little bit further along and everyone was like, oh, like, here's some fruit, here's some stones, here's some ore. And they, like, helped me kind of catch up. And it was just, just like, really nice. Um, it was just nice. Like, this is, I'd read some article that was, like, playing Animal Crossing made me realize my friends are assholes. And it talked about how people would come and, like, trash their flower. And I was shocked because that's so not my experience like everyone in this game is so helpful and so you know like oh I'm looking for this particular um uh you know dress or whatever does anyone have it in their stores and be like oh my god I have it I'll send it to you right now and you know don't worry about sending me bells for it because I have plenty of bell like it's just been such a nice I, I think this is a time when at least people in my life everyone wants to be nice to each other and because we can't see each other in person we don't have as many opportunities for that and I think it really gave people a chance to kind of come together and collaborate in this adorable virtual world yeah it was it it I I remember too like even when I started like when you started just not only like oh like I'll help you out but like being excited to help you out being excited to be able to be like oh but I ha- I'll bring you a ladder because I can I'll make a ladder and I'll bring you a ladder so that you'll have a lot like like genuine genuine enthusiasm to go out of my way to help other people get up to the point they they want to be in the game yes yeah and now, you know, now I've I've got like 9 million bells in the bank and I'm like fine. And so now when newer players join the game, I'm I feel the same like I'm happy to help them out and it's just it's just so nice. And this game compared to the other ones, it gives you a lot more flexibility. Like this game introduced, or I guess Pocket Camp. I did play Pocket Camp like Kate said, but to me that wasn't really as satisfying as the full Animal Crossing games, but I think that sort of introduce crafting which you couldn't do in the last few games and so you can really like fully customize the way things look on your island in a way that you couldn't as much in the other ones um and another thing is it's a lot easier it gives you a little bit more control over what what villagers you have and so i have um like what kate was saying and i do think i am a bit more of a completist in terms of like getting my museum done and stuff like that um, but I also have been able to largely fulfill my dream of, of a, a feline island where my villagers are mostly cats and lions and they have all given me their photos and now my bedroom in my house is just like a weird cat shrine and <laughs> oh, it's all that I want. 
<laughs> your, but your bedroom in your Animal Crossing house is also a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> um. Yeah. So just and again, I know animal like ever. If you're not playing Animal Crossing again at this point, you're like, I'm sick of people talking about Animal Crossing. Like, I don't have a Switch and I'm not doing this and. And that's fine if you don't want to be happy, I guess. But, <laughs> you know, if if you were, I, I don't know. I, I don't think at this point anything I could say would convince you if you were like, I don't think I should play Animal Crossing. Like, fine, do what you want. But for me, it is the only source of happiness in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Except for these other nine things. but it's right near the top so it definitely is like one of the major sources yes absolutely oh what sorry one last thing i want to say about animal crossing that's all i probably have a hundred but one last thing that i will say is that this game compared to the other ones i really love that they have put so much care into these like seasonal updates and probably care i think also probably you couldn't physically do this with the ds i don't know how video games work but they put in these seasonal updates where there's like new events and new things happen so just i know a lot of people have already stopped playing i'm still in it deeply and whenever i whenever i start to feel like i might be getting bored with it they're like oh but here's the fall event and here's like your turkey day and your like they are have this ability to keep it fresh by adding new stuff to it which is i love it that's all. I, I like technology. <laughs> yeah, I I went really, I, I kind of like chilled a little bit at the end of the summer into early fall, but I went all in for the Halloween updates. I was back to playing hours a day to make my island perfect for Halloween. Characterization rings true. <laughs> um, But we're at number one on my list, which is... A very cheesy number one, but 100% true. Um, The number one thing that has been important and lovely and helpful and calming to me during the pandemic times is my nephew, Max. Um, He is a baby. (laughs) (laughs) Occupation baby. (laughs) Uh, he's just over 18 months old now. Um, and the last thing, the last, like, I would say the second to last big thing that I did prior to the pandemic was I, as I said earlier, I flew um, out to to see him and his family, uh, my friend Sarah and her husband. And um, just, I'm so glad I did it. I had kind of like impulsively purchased the tickets like I said, like around this time last year. Um, and I'm so happy I did because the like five other times I was going to see him this year obviously did not happen. Um, and just like knowing that like, I I always, whenever people like endless like this by being like my kid or whatever, I'm, I used to always be kind of eye rolly, but I do like feel profoundly emotional about this small human And the fact that he is growing up so much, and by the next time I see him, he'll just be so big, and I'll have missed out on all of these parts of his life is so deeply depressing to me. Um, But getting to watch him via FaceTime and pictures and videos and, you know, all of that over the past year has been, like, there have been nights where I've just, like, 
laid in bed scrolling through my Max album. <laughs> Being like, oh my god, he used to be so small and now he's big. <laughs> uh, like replaying videos of him saying words over and over again. I am probably like kind of obsessed, but... I love him a lot, and I am happy he's in the world, and sad that I can't be there with him, and can't, had missed all of these chances to see him, and see him at these different stages of his life, uh, but I am happy that, like, one of the last things I did in 2020, before the world turned upside down, was go and hang out with him for a few days. And it was hang out with him. Like, obviously, like, I went to hang out with his parents. I spent a lot of time with his parents. But then he got um, an ear infection while I was there. So they pulled him out of daycare. And I just kind of hung out with him while his parents worked. And he was, I just, he's very cute. He is very cute. Anyway, I love him. All right. Well, my number one um, thing that got me through 2020 was um, animals generally and Duarte specifically. I'm sure you're all surprised. Um, but I do, I just, I love looking at pictures of animals. And so often people will tweet at the bestsellers, um, at the worst bestsellers Twitter, like, oh, this is my cat. She likes to listen to the podcast or whatever. Like, and I love it. I live for that shit. Any animal, like, I like to look at an animal. So keep it up. Uh, when, by the way, we started a Discord server for the podcast, and, and Kate largely set that up, and she's like, does this look good? Is there anything else we should have? And I was like, yes. My one contribution to Discord is put a pet pictures channel in the Discord. And I fucking love it. People are in, and if, I don't know how to tell you how to get to Discord. There's a link on our website, worstbestsellers.com. Go to it. Send me pictures of your pets. I want to look at them. But the pet I like to look at the most is Dorte. <laughs> and luckily I'm not limited to uh, photos. I can look at him in the flesh. And, uh, and I can pet him. I just fucking love my cat, you guys. And that... So I've been having a different lockdown experience than a lot of people because... Um, the library did shut down for a few months, I think, but I've largely been back at work. But those couple months where I could just, like, be on my laptop sort of doing my work, but not really because it's really hard to be a librarian from home. There's actually not that much work you can do. And just have Duarte sit in my lap all day. I was like, this is the dream. Like, do I need to change careers and have one where I can just be with my cat all the time? Um, and ultimately, I no, I'm not going to do that. But... It's great. I love my cat. That's all. I love <laughs> I love all cats and I love all animals, but I love Duarte the most of all the cats. <sighs> yes. So those are those are the things that we liked in twenty twenty. Yeah. And I'm gonna be honest, I've I've liked Duarte the most for the last eleven years and I don't expect any changes in that ranking. Yeah, I want to throw out some two uh, almost made the list, but didn't because the time period was much shorter than I enjoyed the rest of these things. MVPs um, to Steven Universe and my parents pool. <laughs> <laughs> 
which we largely watched Steven Universe around the same time that we went and decamped to my parents' house for the summer, um, largely so that we could use their pool. Um, and both of those things were great and very uh, fortifying for those months, but they really only lasted over those couple months, so... Um, and I said this before, and I'll say it again, An- another, and this sounds, like, cheesy, I guess, but truly, all, all of our, all of our best listeners, like, and people have said, like, oh, you know, listening to your podcast is helping me get through pandemic, and that's, I'm so happy to hear it, it's so nice, and just knowing that people are listening and care even, even a little bit about what we have to say is really nice and meaningful to me, and Thank you, and again, especially thank you if you do send me pictures of your pets, but even if you don't have a pet or don't want to send me a picture, I still love you. Yeah, it has been very gratifying to know that, you know, because we, like like I said, like, we, we've not skipped an episode pretty much ever, um, and especially during this pandemic times, like, especially not being very good at being able to retain information via reading, even via audiobook. Um, it has been harder for me to podcast this year than in previous years, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way about doing their jobs. Um, but knowing that there are people to whom it was important um, and to whom it was helpful to be able to listen to us was very uh, encouraging and uh, something that I really help use to push myself through those times where I was just like, I have to finish this book. I have to finish this book, you know, in like the hours before we recorded. Um, yeah. And we are, we are such a kind of like DIY podcast. Like I know there was like all of the kind of studio podcasts were like, oh, we have to reconfigure and have figure out how to record at home. And we were like, check, we are done. There is no physical change to our podcast caused by pandemic it's really just dealing with the additional like emotional and mental strain of of pandemic being all around us um yeah but we but we're here we are here (laughs) we're here by the time this episode comes up we've almost made it through 2020 and um and again just a reminder we will be taking a scheduled planned break in january so We'll be back in February. We do have some um, guests lined up already that we're excited about. Like, again, we're not stopping the podcast. We just want a, a little break. And, yeah. And you know what? And there's so many other podcasts. Like, you all will be like, oh, nice. A little break from having a- these episodes in my podcatcher. And I'm going to use this time to catch up on whatever other podcast. Um, and by the way, also, one thing. Sometimes people are like, oh, I'm just catching up. I'm just listening to this older episode. I'm like... I feel like I'm always behind on everything that I'm listening to. Like, please, these podcasts were, were largely not very, um, occasionally there's something maybe breaking news related or whatever, but largely you can listen whenever. And thank you for listening whenever you do it. Yeah. Never feel like you have to apologize because you're not caught up. Yeah. Um, all right. I mean, I think. I think that's. Um, oh, we have a, We have an internet presence. Uh, sorry, we normally have a slight script written out, and I didn't do it for this one. Uh, we're on Twitter at WordsBestSeller with no S, um, because Dorde ate the S because he 
thought it was a treat for him. And speaking of which, do, again, do tweet pictures of your animals at Worst Bestseller. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Worst Bestsellers with the S. On Instagram, again, spelled normally with the S. Uh, WorstBestsellers.com. You know how the internet works, probably. Um, you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, or Apple Store, or Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, Google Play, Spotify, the Amazon Podcast app, any way that you would normally use a podcatcher to catch a podcast, you can catch our podcast that way. Um, you, if you run around in your Animal Crossing island and swing your net, you will not catch a podcast that way. <laughs> Ask KK Slider for a podcast the next time he shows up. <laughs> Uh, if you do subscribe to us, uh, take a moment to rate and review. When you rate and review, it pushes us up a bit on the charts and makes it easier for new people to find us. Uh, normally, I put a joke here, but I thought that KK Slider joke was pretty good, was so pretty I'm just going to roll with that. <laughs> um, you can also subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash bestsellers. Patreon is a service where you pledge a small monthly recurring donation. It goes to us to do things like pay our editor, um, pay for our web hosting, and all kinds of administrative stuff like that. Pay for our drinks to cope. Yes. (laughs) And uh, in uh, exchange, you get some perks, uh, like a newsletter that we put out every month, um, postcards and stickers in the mail, things like that. Uh, You get get a special title on our Discord channel if you want to join that. And again, post your pet pictures in the Discord. Yep. And you can find that link on worstbestsellers.com. Also on worstbestsellers.com, if you click on merch, you can find our merch store where you can find all sorts of designs from our podcast to wear on your body. Yeah. Or on your baby's body. True. There are some choice onesies in there. We will be back in February. I don't think we've quite pinned down what episode will be first of the of the new year, so that'll be a fun surprise. But it'll it'll be there in February. And thank you all for listening and for your support. And I'm I'm glad that you made it through 2020 as well. If you're listening to this, hooray! Same. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting us all this time. Um. Thanks for hanging in there through a pretty weird year. I think that's everything. And if it's not, uh, tweet at us or whatever. Or don't. I love you. (laughs) Bye. Bye. (laughs)